Money in the Bank just wrapped up. It is the second post-pandemic pay-per-view, or I guess currently in the middle of a pandemic pay-per-view that Deadly put on. And I gotta say, much like WrestleMania, this surprisingly delivered. What's up, folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for sports news updates, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. I'm here to recap Money in the Bank from top to bottom. This was unique. This was different. If you don't know, this Money in the Bank took place, well, the main match, it took place at the WWE headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. And, uh, well, it was wacky. It was wonky. It was all over the place. But at the end of the day, it was quite memorable. So let's get to the big news first. I'm sure the news you're all tuning in to find out about. Otis and Asuka are your Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. Love those picks. Maybe, just maybe, it would have been a, a good time to perhaps lean towards uh, the direction of Daniel Bryan. But I love the Asuka pick. I'm glad Asuka finally got a big pay-per-view moment that wasn't interrupted by Ronda Rousey or Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns fighting. No. She had her moment. In fact, she even kicked Corbin's ass. It was weird. I don't know why Corbin was trying to steal the briefcase away from her. But whatever the case may be, she knocked him down, grabbed the briefcase. That was awesome. And Otis, I mean, I'll recap this whole match, but the finishing sequence was quite unique to say the very least. So it was Corbin and AJ Styles who were brawling, who were climbing up the ladder, who were trying to grab the briefcase. They both held on at the same time. And then all of a sudden, Elias came out of nowhere and he hit the guitar on Corbin's back, shattered it. Corbin fell, subsequently dropped the briefcase into the hands of my favorite wrestler today, Otis. And Otis, oh yeah, is your money in the bank male winner. That makes me a very, very happy man. Now, by the way, if you're watching this live, if you're listening to this live, you might be wondering, wait, did this pay-per-view really just end? Yes. Another WWE pay-per-view ends at 9.30. I could absolutely get used to this. This gives me plenty of time to catch up on Insecure and HBO and The Last Dance. So, hey, I, I certainly uh, ain't, ain't complaining right here. As for the match itself and how it was structured, well, it was kind of wacky. We, you see, we started out in the WWE lobby uh, in Stanford, Connecticut. They did their entrances, which was really corny, really corny. In fact, they, they were doing like their poses and everything. So they were in the lobby in front of the elevator bank, and they're just doing these stupid entrances. So even like Shayna Baszler, Shayna did the like the thing with the which she does where she kisses the fans, and then she does like the weird thing with her hands. It's like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but like kind of like different from AJ Styles. And yeah, it was just wacky. And Dana Brooke did her cartwheel, and, and Carmella did her awkward moonwalk, and it was wacky, a little too wacky. Uh, but hey, it, it is what it is. So we had that, and then uh, we kicked things off with Asuka diving off. And my phone's blown up here because a lot of people were actually tuned into this wackiness. I guess they got their free month, and yeah, it seems like a lot of people enjoyed it. So Asuka kicked off the match by hopping off of one of the floors onto the women and then taking the elevator. Brawls everywhere. The men entered in the gym area. They were brawling. Uh, Corbin had a weight that he threw at, at one of the wrestlers. They moved out of the way, and Corbin shattered the glass, so I guess he gets like seven years of bad luck and 
more jobbing and looking like a geek. And they were just brawling, brawling on the elevator. So much was going on here. And this was filmed cinematically with music in the background, a number of different cameos. Here are uh, some of my notes here. They're, I mean, this just scratches the surface, but still. So Otis is absolutely hilarious. These guys are all brawling. The women took the stairs as Asuka took the elevator and was dancing and just like one of the MVPs of this match. Corbin, as I mentioned, destroyed a gym mirror. A guy that looked like Dollar Store Doink was freaking hiding <laughs> somewhere. Like, I, I think it was like in the weight room or something. That was creepy. And Dana Brooke went to the conference room, got the wrong briefcase, knocked out uh, Nia Jax, or Nia Jax was knocked out somehow. Uh, Carmella, I forgot who she hit. It might have been Dana Brooke. She, she hit them with like a poster. So that was wacky. Stephanie McMahon told Dana Brooke that she's in the Money in the Bank conference room. That's not the Money in the Bank briefcase. Huh? Uh, brother, <laughs> Rey Mysterio went to the bathroom. I guess he had to take a piss. And Brother Love, Br- Bruce Pritchard just walks out and says, I love you. And then Rey Mysterio's like, I love you too, but I, I got a match to win. More on Rey later. It, it gets crazier. Uh, <laughs> AJ Styles is looking for uh, Rey Mysterio. Just is looking for him and, and, lo- and looking for Alistair Black, trying to see if the coast is clear. <laughs> and he opens the door. And the lights are in Undertaker's like bluish purple colors. And all of a sudden, AJ has money in the bank PTSD. It was, frick- it was so bad, it was good. So bad, it was good. By the way, shout out to all the people that are watching on the live stream. If you're listening after the fact, I appreciate y'all too. But for all the people watching on the live stream, Reggie Campbell Jr., Zachary Lyle, Michael Clark, Unique Elm Street 2010, Freddie Mitchell, David Schneider. Shout out to all y'all and everybody else that's tuning in right now live. But anyway... So he had flashbacks of The Undertaker, which is hilarious. He saw a poster of Rey Mysterio from across the balcony with the booyaka booyaka playing in the background. And, and then Alistair Black just knocked out AJ. So that was different. Oh, I forgot to mention in the weight room, Otis was like, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. It just ridiculously crazy. Then they cut to Paul Heyman in catering. And, and Paul Heyman's just, just, you know, loving this catering. I mean, he he has portrayed exactly how you think Vince McMahon sees Paul Heyman. Just looking at the food, ready to chow down. And then the men are on one side, the women on the other side. It was like West Side Story. I don't know why they were getting all up in their business because at the end of the day, there's two different briefcases, but whatever. So then Otis goes, food fight! And he takes a full meal and throws it in Paul Heyman's face. And Paul Heyman's just... Stunned. Everybody's like, stunned. Alistair Black showed more facial expressions in this one segment than he has in his entire WWE career. It was just like... And then they start a food fight, and they brawl all the way up onto the roof. I'm sure I have more, there's more stuff here. Oh, Dana Brooke was thrown into a vending machine by Nia Jax. Nia also powerbombed Carmella uh, through the catering table, the craft services. Otis stops in in the random cafeteria area and sees John Laurinaitis. And John Laurinaitis says, people power. So Otis throws a cake in his face and this discombobulates uh, Johnny Ace to be able to contain himself and get up. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan brawl into Vince McMahon's office, which is just bright red and has a, a, a the, the big T-Rex uh, fossil. And uh, he's like, damn it, get out. What are you doing here? And AJ's like, uh, sorry, sorry. And then AJ and Brian <laughs> fix the chairs, close the door slowly. 
And afterwards, AJ was like, man, we really got him. And, and Daniel Bryan's like, what, what are you talking about? You know what? I told me to fix the chairs. And then they started brawling. And oh, God, that was funny. And then Vince McMahon used his hand sanitizer. And I think he was in jeans. It's just weird. Vince McMahon in jeans. I don't know. It's, it's weird. And then Naya, Lacey, and Asuka got to the roof. They were brawling. Finally, it was Asuka who got to the ladder. And for whatever reason, King Corbin, it looked like he was trying to stop Asuka from getting the briefcase, even though there's two briefcases. I thought for a second I was an idiot and I, I misread the rules that, you know, there's only one Money in the Bank winner. But no, there is two. There are two. But I don't know. It was a wacky moment. So Corbin got knocked out by Asuka. Asuka got the win. Then the men started brawling. Otis and Corbin hit the ring. Uh, the latter couldn't contain Otis, similar to SmackDown. And then Ray and, and Alistair Black were fighting. And, and then Ray was thrown off the roof uh, by Alistair Black? What? 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 No follow-up? No nothing? Uh, I, I think... Was Alistair Black thrown off the roof, too? I'm just sorry. King Corbin threw Ray, threw Ray off the roof. I think Alistair Black was thrown off too. I'm not. I'm not sure. If somebody could correct me there, I'd appreciate that. But that that was wacky. That was absolutely wacky. So that happened, and then afterwards, they they were brawling, and and it was uh, the last two people were AJ and Corbin, as I mentioned. And hold on to that briefcase at the same time. I'm thinking, oh God, it's gonna be co briefcase winners, or oh man, it's gonna be King Corbin again, who sucks. But no. Elias saved the day, hit Corbin in the back with the guitar, El Cabong, Jeff Jarrett style. He fell off. The briefcase slipped out of their grasp, landed in Otis's big belly. And Otis, oh yeah, is the money in the bank male winner. I love it. It's wacky. It's ridiculous. I don't know if it makes sense for Otis right now to be WWE champion, but you know what? When Braun Strowman is the universal champion who really had no momentum going in, and you have no fans in any way, why not? I mean, Otis is one of those guys. I mean, look, you might as well try to go viral and have a guy that can get you memed and, and get you retweeted. And I guess Otis is that guy, so why not? I want to make him WWE champion, but universal champion, sure. Why, why the hell not at this point? I mean, it, this seriously feels like the YOLO era of WWE. It's just like, YOLO, let's just throw it to the wall and see what sticks. And that's kind of what's happening. So as far as the men slash women's money in the bank, going into it, I, I was worried. I thought this was going to be stupid. In a lot of ways, it was kind of stupid, but it was so stupid. It was so wacky. It was so crazy. It worked. So once again, props to the WWE production team that I'm sure is severely underpaid during this pandemic. Uh, props to all involved, uh, all the talent and everybody else. This was shot incredibly well. This was soundtracked incredibly well. And this was executed extremely well. And yeah, it was a little campy, but hey, I mean, at the end of the day, we got Dollar Store Doink. We got Johnny Ace. We had Stephanie McMahon. We had Vince McMahon himself. It, yeah, this Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love. So thumbs up for the Money in the Bank match. As for the rest of the card here, this is actually surprisingly, I'm not going to lie, pretty damn good, folks. I mean, I, again, I, I, was, I was waiting to hate this. I was waiting to not like this and think, all right, this is just kind of wacky. But no. No, it's a, it, 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 went, it went pretty well for the most part. So let's get to the rest. Whoa, what the hell? Okay, these are my Facebook reactions here I'm getting so far. Let's, let's put that away. I got a lot of new tools uh, I'm playing with here on, on these live streams. Some of them work, some of them don't. And hey, we're trying them out in real time. Before we get to the rest of the card, actually, 
few things. I, I heard the last ride Undertaker series is super awesome. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but y'all should check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out at some point uh, for a lot of good things. Jonathan Snowden's Ken Shamrock book. I've only read a little bit of it so far, but it's been freaking awesome. Check it out. Look up Jonathan Snowden on Twitter at J.E. Snowden. Great book. The, the new Ken Shamrock book. Excellent so far. And a lot of people that have read it straight through love it. As for anything else, WWE Backlash announced for June 14th, probably taking place at the Performance Center. And Alberto Del Rio, former WWE champion, arrested under sexual assault allegations. Yeah, not a good look at all. He was arrested, according to the NBC affiliate in San Antonio, Texas. He apparently caused uh, bodily injuries to a woman and forced her to dance in a dress and threatened to take her son and just crazy stuff. TMZ confirms that he's still in custody. And as we know, Alberto's had his hair, his fair share, excuse me, of problems over the last five years. So uh, you hope this isn't true, but it's been a, at the very least a, a pattern of disturbing behavior. And I don't know, guys got to get cleaned up. What do, you, what do you want me to say? My heart goes out. My heart goes out to the alleged victim. My heart goes out to all the families involved because yeah, this is a crappy situation. And as for Alberto, I don't know, man. If he did this, he needs to do the time and out of do something because he, he's going to end up in a morgue pretty soon with the way he's going. So, on a lighter note, no easy transition. We kick things off with the kickoff show. Jeff Hardy beats Cesaro in a decent match. We had the SmackDown Fatal Four Way Tag Team Championship. The New Day retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles against Miz and Morrison, the Forgotten Sons, and Lucha House Party. Forgotten Sons are perfectly fine workers. I think the problem with them and guys like Austin Theory is that you're debuting all these dudes and, and the Vink guy and everything else. You're debuting all these dudes all at once in front of no crowd with no vignettes, with no explanation whatsoever. And yeah, it's kind of kind of wacky if you ask me. Uh, you know, the Forgotten Sons too really haven't done anything in NXT. Uh, the good work, yeah, the good workers, good solid workers, but I don't know. They're just they're just kind of there to me. Uh, Jackson Riker, the former gunner of TNA, was at ringside. He was kicked out. The, all these guys worked really hard, especially uh, Leo Lucha House Party, uh, busting their asses. And Big E got the win by pinning uh, Grand Metalik. Grand Metalik and Big E got to be the most underrated wrestlers on the roster. Seriously. Metalik probably more because he rarely gets to showcase his stuff. But yeah, I mean, these two dudes should be uh, in the upper echelon. And they're just in tag teams. And tag teams fine, but I think they could do a lot more with these guys. We had... Bailey versus Tamina Snuka. Maybe it's Tamina's best match ever. I, I know it wasn't in front of a crowd, but really good as far as one-on-one goes for uh, Tamina Snuka, Snuka standards. And she worked really hard here. And Bailey was great with her reversals and her submissions. And Tamina went for a super kick, and Bailey reversed it into a leg lock. And yeah, really, really good stuff. My only complaint throughout the show is there were way too many table spots. Uh, Bray and Braun threw each other through the into the announcer's table. Uh, Bailey got thrown into the announcer's table. Uh, Drew McIntyre suplex Seth Rollins into the announcer's table. I'm sure there was more. I th- I'm sure there was a spot in the tag team title match. It was just, it was a reoccurring motif. Like, all right, we get it. You have an announcer's table, but you know, I, I guess they uh, ran out of some spots to to go through, and they wanted to keep things fresh in the empty arena. But it didn't take away from the match. I like the psychology with Sasha Banks uh, and, and Bailey and the slow burn and. At the end, it was Bailey who got the win with a crucifix pin, reversing Tamina. And afterwards, uh, Sasha Banks uh, attacked Tamina. They celebrated. And yes, the uh, modern-day Kevin Nash and Scott Hall live to be champion another day. So I'm really liking the storyline. I think this has been great work from Bailey and from Sasha Banks. It's a shame 
they finally realize that these two women are phenomenal, and they realize this after they can't run shows in front of crowds. But hey, this Bailey and Sasha fan will will take it for now. We had a surprisingly, I don't know if it was a good match. It was an entertaining match. I'll say that. Uh, Bray Wyatt, who was wearing his corduroy sweater and everything else, uh, not The Fiend, took on Braun the Strowman for the Universal Championship. The puppets were at ringside. There was some stalling here and there, but definitely a lot more action, a lot more pace, a lot more physicality than the last time Bray was just Bray Wyatt which would have been back at TLC when he faced The Miz in a, a painfully boring match. I was ready to tweet out before this match started. I can't remember the last time Braves had a good singles match, but this, for what it was, was a, was a pretty good singles match. And it did have some bad acting. You know, I could see this being very polarizing. I did enjoy this a lot more than a Funhouse match. The Funhouse match was, it was psychedelic. I think it was catered to, you know, methamphetamine users. Nothing against uh, those guys and girls, but... Uh, you know, what What wasn't my type of tea or, or meth, uh, that, that WrestleMania match, but this one was a lot more digestible. It had, no pun intended, it had a lot, a lot more physicality. It was an actual match with an actual referee that had actual punches and kicks and everything else and moves. So the ending came when Braun found the black sheep mask they used to wear when he was uh, Braun, Str- Braun the Strowman with the Wyatt family, and he put it on. And Bray's like, you're back, Braun. You're, bra- you're back. I told you it's going to be different this time. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Bray's just on his knees. Braun's in, in that black sheet mask. And I don't know. All I got to say is if you, if you had a family member or a friend walk in the room when watching this, they, they would be very confused right now. I, I, I will leave it at that. They, they'll be very very confused right now. They, they would think you're on like Pornhub or something. But anyway, not that I'd know about that. But I'm just, I have friends that know about that. So anyway, finally, Braun takes off the mask to reveal that he is indeed Braun Strowman, as if we didn't know that. Uh, very similar to that time in WCW back in the day where Sting took off the fake Sting mask to reveal that it's Sting with the face paint, you know, or, or the New Year, New Me meme. And then he hit the ring power slam on Bray, got the pin, one, two, three, that was that. This was entertaining. Wacky, but entertaining. And we had my favorite match of the night. This was excellent. And it would have been, of course, even better in front of a crowd. I got to say this. Seth Rollins is still an excellent professional wrestler. Uh, but, I mean, man, he is... It's crazy. Because Seth Rollins is such a great talent. But he's such an insufferable douchebag on social media. He is so insufferable in media interviews where he comes off as a boot-licking kiss-ass. And he's got to be, I mean, legitimately, one of the worst main event promos of all time. And I'm talking about people that have been on top for at least five years. Now, in fairness, most WWE top guys in the last 10 years haven't been that great of promos because they've been constrained by the scripted writing of WWE and all these writers and Vince McMahon wanting guys to recite these wacky lines, but... You know, we're in the same era that's had Bray Wyatt, who, while he has cut nonsensical promos, they've at least been somewhat entertaining. The last 10 years have also seen us have CM Punk, Dean Ambrose before he went completely wacky, and Daniel Bryan was a great promo as well. Hell, even Goldberg was pretty damn good on the mic for a while in, in that recent comeback. But Seth Rollins, from the time he was a heel, I mean, as a babyface, he wasn't that bad. He was passable. But as a heel... Between the 2015-2016 run and this? Man. 
sucks. Just sucks. And he's a top guy. Like he should, he should be able to, I don't, I don't even know. I hate the word disseminate. It sounds like a gross word, but he should be able to disseminate what is good writing and bad writing. I mean, his, his girlfriend, his fiance is an awesome promo more often than not. Has great material is great on social media. And then her hubby is just, I mean, he's, I mean, he's just garbage on the mic. I don't know how else to explain it, you know, the Monday Night Messiah. Yeah, and I'm going to bring the WWE Championship home, and Drew, you will bow down. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's like Raven from back in the day without anything that, without all the things that made Raven great. Like, Seth as a wrestler is fantastic. I will never say anything bad about Seth Rollins' wrestling. But as a character, I mean, my God, like, go back. A lot of ECW hasn't aged that well, but go back and watch Raven's promos, uh, the vignettes, the angles. Raven was awesome. Okay, he was a guy that when he spoke, he spoke with conviction and he made you want to join him. Hell, all right, you know what? If you don't want to go back as far as to Raven and ECW, go to CM Punk with the Straight Edge Society and the new Nexus. Go go back to that time frame, which is around like 10 years ago or so, maybe a little less than that. And, and watch CM Punk's promos when he got people to convert, when he got people to join the society. And then watch Seth Rollins' boring Monday Night Messiah promos that are the equivalent of hypnosis. They absolutely suck. Now, if you just watch this match, you are quickly reminded that Seth Rollins, on any given night, can be a great freaking pro wrestler, except on the mic. And this was a, a awesome match. Drew McIntyre, I've been a huge fan of his for a while, but he was great tonight too. Uh, great stuff from what you and what you'd expect from these guys. Uh, there were uh, submission attempts by Rollins. He had a, a nice FTF. STF. There was an awesome superplex spot with the Falcon Arrow. I know he's usually done that, but to do it on a guy as big as Drew McIntyre, that was very impressive. Drew suplex Rollins over the announcer's table. That looked like it sucked. There was a, a kick out from Drew's Future Shock DDT, which is his old finisher from back in the day. My favorite spot in the match was McIntyre hung up in the Tree of Woe. Seth Rollins on top. And Drew suplexing Rollins from the Tree of Woe position across the ring. That was great. And then the other great spot was the finish where Rollins went for the curb stomp. McIntyre shook it off, hit the headbutt, hit the Claymore, got the pin. And afterwards, Drew urged them to shake hands. They did. Excellent, excellent, excellent WWE title match. Would have been even better in the regular setting with fans. My God, this was awesome. So overall, despite the fact that Raw, SmackDown, NXT... Outside of Bailey and Sasha Banks and a, a select few like Otis, besides the, you know, Money in Bank was great. Money in Bank was great. Raw, SmackDown, NXT have been dreadful for the most part. I and I'll, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, I haven't been interested in pro wrestling for a while now. The last couple of months after WrestleMania, I was like, okay, I'm ready to give this another shot. And I, I don't know, I don't know. Look, UFC had a nice show. It, hopefully nobody else tests positive, you know, other other than uh, Jacques Ray and everybody gets out unscathed. But I, I don't know. I don't know. For whatever reason, the, the wrestling hasn't really been appealing to me too much. I mean, AW, they've been doing pretty well, but WWE programming overall has been just kind of, just been kind of there. And I, I don't know. Th- this was good though. This was really good. But Raw, SmackDown, NXT have been un- unfortunately painfully boring. And I don't know. I think you got you got to get to the point now where they should probably start doing some archived content, doing like the rise of Drew McIntyre episode one week, the rise of Brock Lesnar episode another week. You could have live promos, 
maybe have one or two live matches, but then the rest just have archive footage. That's what I would do. With the ratings the way they are now, with Raw doing un- well under 2 million viewers, with, with SmackDown hovering between uh, 2 million and 1.9, with NXT just getting slaughtered, especially in the 18 to 49-year-old demographic, you, know, you, you might as well. Some of these shows, or a lot of these shows, or most of these shows, don't seem essential at all. But hey, what do I know? So let's go to some of the comments here before we hop off. I'd love to hear from the TSC universe, in my best Michael Cole voice. What do you think about Otis? I love Otis. I think he's great. He's a throwback, and he just he just gets it, man. He really does. Crazy K says this pay-per-view is a big joke. Whether you liked it or not, I can't argue that way. All right. Thomas Herrera, they ruined it by making Otis win. This means another money in the bank down the toilet. I don't think so. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see We'll see where it goes. Look, I don't think AJ needed the belt or needed the briefcase. I definitely don't think Baron Corbin needed the briefcase. That's for sure. Uh, Daniel Bryan, it would have been nice if Bryan won, but it is what it is. Don't blame Seth Rollins. Blame The Office. Look, when Seth Rollins claims that he's fully collaborative with Daddy B Creative and he kisses ass to the extent he does, then you know what? I, I think Seth Rollins can be blamed as well for his terrible Monday Night Messiah droning delivery. Who thought about giving Rollins the Messiah character? I don't know, but they should take a week off and quit the business. Yeah, no, Becky Lynch tonight. I don't know. That That is interesting. I'm, I'm not sure why, but she is not on tonight. Okay, let's get some of the comments. Uh, Alberto Del Rio needs to be blackballed. I mean, he pretty much already is, man. Bray Wyatt needs to have that Tornado DDT and his moveset from here on out. Yeah, for sure. Lucha House Party deserves a run of the SmackDown Tag Team titles. To say the least, to say to say the least, my friends, they, they definitely need some type of run, some type of respect. I mean, these guys have been busting their asses for such a such a long freaking time. And what have they what have they got to show for it? You know, not 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 much. So yeah, I, I agree. I would like to I would like to see that happen too. Uh, what do you think about AEW programming lately? I think they've done a pretty good job for the most part. You know, uh, I some of the stuff with Matt Hardy is a little not, not much, too wacky so, yeah, for my I, liking. I, you know, with the the golf cart thing was funny, but uh, you know, not not too bad. They're making the most out of it. I think they're doing a better job than WWE as far as putting some wrestlers in the audience like the Guns, you know, who are you know cheering and jeering and everything else. I mean, it, it makes a difference. I also think. It's weird. NXT, I think what her NXT before was the darkened arena during the old era pre-COVID. And now I think the darkened arena actually helps AEW a lot because, you know, and similar to UFC, same thing. You don't notice that the arena is totally empty. But again, dead dead people in the audience, at least, you know, a couple people in the audience here and there. I, I would like to see both shows do a much better job of social distancing. I did not like that. And I haven't liked in weeks that the announcers are just right next to each other. That, to me, is just stupid and playing with fire. Granted, UFC is playing with fire, too, honestly. It's like they're keeping the announcers apart, but they're having Joe Rogan do interviews in the cage. uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, UFC, I think they're doing a, a relatively good job, all things considered. I don't like the fact that they reportedly made not only fighters, but media sign non disparagement agreements where... That they could also not be sued if they if a fighter or an athlete or staff member or media member gets COVID. I mean that's it's a slippery slope. I, t- I talked to one of my lawyer friends. They said that probably wouldn't hold up in court. But yeah, kind 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 of creepy, kind of wacky. I don't know. Just a lot of shadiness going on. You got to remember something here. Dana White's very tight with Donald Trump. 
So is Vince McMahon. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to circumvent the rules when they can. Again, that being said, UFC has at least been administering at least two different tests for COVID. AEW, I believe, administered at least one type of test for COVID. Whereas WWE, I believe, is still only doing temperature checks. Although you got to believe, given the fact that AEW and UFC both got some positive, pre positive press, easy for me to say, for testing that, WWE will start doing that. But you can make the strong argument they shouldn't be running shows anyway. But, hey, at least pro wrestling is a controlled environment. MMA... Not so much. I think we'll have a better idea of UFC and sports in general after like a week or two. Because, you know, God, for, God forbid, you know, Jacques made contact, something like that. I mean, look, the worst case scenario could be really bad. But so far, knock on wood, WWE, UFC, AEW, relati relatively unscathed, relatively unscathed. I mean, the Jacques thing does look bad, though. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's the full extent of potential infections. All right. What happened to Ray? Uh, Ray, what, what, what did happen to Ray? I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know. Was it Hulk Hogan that fell off the roof back in the day in, in WCW into Lake Michigan or something or the Yeti? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe he fell there. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Jay Nevermore. Uh, okay. I swear Daniel Bryan was corpsing this match. He was doing something. It was wacky. Uh, Bray Wyatt needs to become WWE champion again. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. I've enjoyed him a lot more the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months. Uh, I don't think I really need to see Bray Wyatt as champion again. I don't think he necessarily needs the belt. Money in the Bank was barely over two hours. Isn't that shocking? Yeah, that's crazy, JB. That's, I like it, though. I like it. Why not? Keep it short. Keep it short and sweet. I dig it. Thomas Herrera, if WWE wants the ratings good again, they need to stop with the PG era. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they need that. They've been pushing the envelope anyway the last six months or so. I don't think it's really about the PG. I just think the matches are boring. The storylines are boring. Empty arena wrestling in general kind of sucks. If we're being honest, that it's an unfortunate circumstance, but it sucks. And yeah, I don't know. I think that from now on they should probably just do promos backstage, like vignette style with music in the background, as opposed to dead silence. I think that would help. I think shorter matches would help. And I think just, again, showing some archive footage. Why not? Showing some archive footage and, and having live promos. You know, have live promos like with, you know, via satellite with Drew McIntyre, via satellite with, uh, you know, Seth Rollins. Who, just something. Think out of the side. Of, I mean, they're thinking outside of the box for the pay-per-views, and that's great. And I think they've done a good job with the pay-per-views so far. But they really do need to apply that to Monday Night Raw. I mean, I can only see, no matter how talented they are, and they are talented, I can only see so many combinations of Angel Garza and Andrade and Zelina, and Austin Theory, and the Street Profits, and, and Alistair Black, and MVP retiring, and then unretiring from week to week. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Loki says there's a giant who fell off the roof. Okay, yeah. Maybe Ray fell uh, where, <laughs> fell and ended up where, where the giant did in WCW. I don't know. With the monster trucks. Josh Teakin, Drew McIntyre using Dirty Deeds as a signature move, bro. He had the Dirty Deeds slash Future Shock DDT long before Dean Ambrose, at least in WWE anyway. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this pay-per-view? Curvin, uh, I would probably give it... Man. You know, I'd give it like a 7. Yeah, man, I'd give it a 7. I think that this pay-per-view had a one great match, which was Rollins and McIntyre. And on a two-hour show, you know, really no complaints there. Maybe even maybe even an 8. But uh, I definitely think if, if you didn't watch this pay-per-view, you have to watch the Money in the Bank ladder match because it was just so wacky and, and funny. It was good. Uh, I think you should definitely watch the WWE Championship match. 
Other than that, I mean, the tag title match was pretty good. Um, I mean, it's listen, the show was an easy watch. There was nothing that was like terribly boring about the show. Oh man, I forgot to completely, I completely forgot to mention too. Our truth was supposed to wrestle MVP like it was 2009. And then MVP said, no, this guy's going to fill in for me. And Bobby Lashley came out in his AJ style style pants and kicked our truth's ass. So this was awesome because as a old school, it's hard to believe it's old school now, TNA impact wrestling fan and a fan of the beatdown clan stable that featured MVP and Bobby Lashley and Kenny King. And just a huge MVP and Bobby Lashley fan in general. I loved watching this because in WWE, MVP and Bobby Lashley are reunited just like they were back in the day in Impact Wrestling. So if MVP is going to be Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece, I am all for it. And for the love of God, before Bobby Lashley gets too damn old, book Brock Lesnar versus Lashley. I don't care if you do it in Saudi Arabia. I don't care if you do it at the PC. I don't care if you do it in Antarctica. I don't care if you do it wherever. Book the damn match. Please, please. That's one dream match that I've personally wanted to see for years. Did you like WrestleMania? Yeah, I, I for the most part, I, I relatively enjoyed WrestleMania. Uh, Oscar versus Becky Lynch again, LOL, yeah. Uh, do you think Diddy B has given up on Shayna Baszler? Ooh, good question. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if give up is, a, is the right phrasing. She was supposed to win the title. Or she was not a position to win the title. She didn't. And, uh, you know, she didn't win the money in the bank. She could technically still beat Becky Lynch for the title. She didn't take a pinfall or submission loss uh, here tonight. Uh, but I, I think we'll see. Well, let's give it like a couple of weeks. Backlashes in five weeks. If Shayna Baszler's not challenging for the women's championship then I, I could safely say, yeah, they, they gave up on her, which is unfortunate because she's broken the mold for women in WWE, and she's she's a pioneer of women's MMA, and I'm a big fan of her work. And, yeah, I think it would be very disappointing if she did not get a title another title shot and win the championship eventually. I want the old WWE championship introduced. Uh, yeah, I, I miss it too. I don't like this color-coded stuff. Well, the, the championship that Drew McIntyre has doesn't look that bad. I've seen better. The, the Attitude Era belts were way better. But, you know, it's not that bad of a belt. The blue belt on SmackDown and the red belt, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not like that. So to recap before we go, and I appreciate everybody tuning in live and everybody listening after the fact. By the way, if you do want to check us out, you can find us on every podcast platform, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, which is my personal favorite, Podbean, which is also my, my other personal favorite, Wherever you get your podcasts, we're available. All you got to do is just search TSC News Podcaster. My name is Fred Ricciani. And, of course, you can watch us on Facebook.com slash The Sports Courier and YouTube.com slash The Sports Courier and Instagram at TSC News. We update IGTV every week on there. So to quickly recap the results here again, Otis defeated AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, and King Corbin to win the Men's Money in the Bank briefcase. On the women's side, Asuka defeated Lacey Evans, Carmella, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Asuka, or sorry, Asuka won, and she defeated, we start over here, Asuka defeated Lacey Evans, Carmella, Baszler, Jax, and Dana Brooke to win the women's money in the bank. Braun, the Strowman, beat Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, to retain the universal title. 
Drew McIntyre defeated Seth Rollins to retain the WWE title. Bailey defeated Tamina Snuka to retain the SmackDown Women's title and remain the longest reigning SmackDown Women's champion of all time. And she might be on, and she is on pace right now and might be able to break the year-long record held by, I believe it was Nikki Bella. Was it Nikki Bella or was it Becky? Actually, no, Becky Lynch, I think, broke the record since. It was like Nikki Bella. It was like AJ Lee, Nikki Bella, and I, th- I think Becky Lynch now is the most recent person to hold the title for a long time. So, hey, Bailey's up there. She's great. The New Day defeated The Miz and John Morrison, The Forgotten Sons, and Lucha House Party. Bobby Lashley destroyed M- destroyed R-Truth as a favor for MVP. And Jeff Hardy defeated Cesaro on the Money in the Bank kickoff. And then as far as some quick news notes, as I mentioned before, Alberto Del Rio arrested, accused of sexual assault in Texas. Uh, bad look, bad deal. And if he is guilty, he should be in jail for a long time. Although, with the way prisons are right now, with the outbreak, oh, man, I... I don't know. It's a bad deal for, for all involved there. JDB Backlash announced for June 14th. Sk- the schedule, let's see what here. Okay, no, they haven't. They don't have an official location yet. It's scheduled for June 14th, so the schedule will remain the same, but the match lineup is has not been announced yet, of course. It's five weeks away, and the location has not been announced, although presumably it's in Orlando, Florida. And uh, yeah, so overall, awesome show. Thumb, surprisingly... Another thumbs up show. Who knew that we just needed a, a, a pandemic and social distancing and empty arena shows in order for JDB to get its ish together, at least on the pay-per-view level. On the show level, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, they have fallen off quite a bit in ratings and in quality. But we'll see what happens. Folks, I want to hear from you, though. What do you think about the show? Let me know. Leave a comment below. I just want to let y'all know, too. I uploaded my Xbox Live Gold review. We have a number of new interviews with Miami Dolphins players who just signed with the team if you're an NFL fan. I've got a few interviews coming up later this week I think you guys will enjoy. We also have our WB2K20 PC review up. So until then, folks, take care, like and share. Please subscribe and enable notifications so you never miss an update. And until next time, as always, enjoy the matches.